From pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, it's The Meter is Running with John Meter Perel and Shira Springer. Today, Meter and Shira are joined by Meredith Unger, the founder and CEO of Nix Biosensors. Enjoy the conversation. The Meter is Running. All right, The Meter is Running continues on the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com. I love how Shira, you know, we do need a camera in here because Shira <laughs> kind of acts like Vanna White slash uh, one of Bob Barker's favorites on uh, The Price is Right. One of those two. <laughs> so, so you can, you can is go. Is that a compliment? It's a compliment. Okay. Yes, it's a compliment. <laughs> I know. Come on. You used to watch The Price is Right, didn't you? I did. My grandfather was a huge fan of well, The Price there is you Right. Go. Of home, homesick from school watching The what, Price is Right. What grandfather wasn't? You know? uh, <laughs> my go to choice when I was home Plinko. from school was always Plinko. Facts of Life reruns. That was my go to. Okay. But it's a big Trudy fan. Uh, <laughs> But we digress. We're joined in our spacious studios by none other than Meredith Unger, the CEO of Nix Biosensors, who is a tremendous leader in Boston uh, business now. Oh, you're overselling me already. I'm not overselling yeah, you. I'm you really are. not. I'm not. <laughs> you got to hire of, him. You got to hire him. A, a member of the Forbes Boston <laughs> Business Council. I might as well just read your bio. Oh, okay, go for it. I have to do it. I'm going to let you do it. Top of my head. Do you uh, have like LeBron's photographic memory? Barely, barely, <laughs> only on some <laughs> subjects. But Meredith is uh, someone that's uh, blazing a trail in the world of wearables. Now, explain to us what Nix Biosensors does. Well, let me take it from our first product and then sort of the vision beyond that. Our product is basically a sweat sensor that athletes can wear on the field, on the roads, on the ice, um, that will give them their sweat profile. Um, and hydration status, electrolyte losses, all of those things in real time. So they know how to hydrate properly during their event um, and can inform their recovery afterwards. This would be something that's particularly useful to marathoners. Both you and I are marathoners. And it was interesting, when you were just giving that description, the first image that popped into my mind was 2016 U.S. Olympic trial, Shalane Flanagan. Absolutely. I was there in L.A. I was also there. Oh, you were? Yeah. Okay. That's so, so funny. And I mean, almost did not finish due to heat exhaustion and basically did not hydrate properly throughout the race and suffered from it. And I I would have to think that a product like yours would have been a tremendous help to her, even if she only did it in training so she could figure out what it is she needed to do during a race. Yeah, 100%. I think what we found fascinating about that is, um, you know, Amy and Shalene running literally side by side for, what, through mile 23 or so yeah. until Amy took off. Well, and, and by the way, we should mention that Shalane was like, go, 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 go. Yeah. And Amy Cragg was like, no, I am not leaving you. You are my training partner. Yeah. I am going to stick with you as long as I can. You marathoners are loyal. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely true. <laughs> Um, But what's fascinating about that is I think they also had sort of twin hydration strategies that day and what they found out after the fact when they both were doing um, some sweat research at the Olympic Training Center is that Shalane sweats three times faster than Amy. And And Shalane also told me she is a sweaty sweater a salty sweater rather correct so salty yeah. sweater. my sweat tastes like gatorade is that normal <laughs> no <laughs> you might want to get that checked yeah. um <laughs> but yeah a salty sweater has different needs than a non-salty sweater correct absolutely and people also don't realize the two are independent of one another so you can be a light salty sweater or you can be a heavy watery sweater and we all have sort of different preconceived notions of what we are and where we sit on that spectrum 
Um, and just as we've started doing our own testing of our internal team, because we're all runners at Knicks um, or athletes of some kind, we've already started to dispel a lot of myths about our own sweat profiles. What do you do on a daily basis at Knicks to bring it to the next level? Well, right now, everything we're doing is focused around product development. So we have a really strong engineering team um, that we've stolen from some other wearables companies in the area, uh, but really talented guys that know exactly how to build a product. And we just work really closely with them on what specs we need to fit the use case and what's going to be most useful to a runner, which is decidedly different um, from what's going to be. Yep, exactly. Right. So there's little nuances of what's going to work for in one sport versus another. Um, and so right now we're just doing a lot of on-body testing of our own team. We had a big activation at the marathon. We've been working with Heartbreak Hill Running Company and their membership. Um, they've been really, really good to us um, and looking to roll that out through some of our professional team relationships as well. Can we just take a step back? I mean, one of the big things about wearables is they have to actually be wearable because you don't want something that's kind of annoying you yep. while you run. Yep. So give me a sense or give us a sense of what this, what your wearable looks like and you know, how you get the data from it. Yeah, so it was really important to me when we were thinking about the concept um, for Nix is that every single thing we did made the user experience really seamless because when we think about Fitbits and other things getting thrown in the drawer after three to six months, <laughs> any little friction in that user experience is why it's being abandoned. So we wanted to make sure from, you know, the first moment um, that it comes out of the package all the way to it being peeled off and thrown away, that it was really a seamless experience. And what that meant for us was not being a wristband, first and foremost. Um, every runner is already wearing a watch of some kind, um, typically a Garmin. Um, and so the last thing we want to do is ask them to wear another wristband. That's just sort of a non-starter in terms of that experience. So we are patch-based. Um, the technology that we're using and the sensing method we're using um, also was really important that it be um, sweat analytics as opposed to there's some other methods that people are trying to do the same thing. Um, so doing it patch-based and doing it as a disposable, a single use was um, something that worked really nicely when we realized we could actually get the unit economics to work on that too. So it's just, it's a really different vision for a wearable being a disposable patch, almost think like a high-tech Band-Aid kind of form factor. Um, as compared to a, a Fitbit or a or a watch. Why a wearable now? What what brought you to this idea? Well, originally, my background's actually in healthcare. So I've sort of spent the last, since business school, probably the last eight or 10 years in that intersection between venture capital and venture creation. So I've helped start, I think, six or seven companies now um, in healthcare, usually from the seat of the investor, um, and worked at Children's Hospital for several years, helping them spin um, companies out of the research side of the hospital. Um, so when I started to think about the concept for Nix, I was really fortunate. There was a, an entrepreneur in residence position, um, at Harvard business school, um, which I'm a, an alum of, uh, where we got full salary support benefits, physical space, a startup budget for 12 months, um, which no entrepreneur gets this sort of luxury, um, and with no strings attached. So it was really this vision of how do we take some of these more consumer facing trends in healthcare and some of these failings that we're observing in, in wearables, and this was right before Fitbit went public, um, and thinking about how do we take the best from both worlds? So how can we get true biomarker data in the hands of consumers without the need for the FDA and in a really simple, accessible, and affordable um, sort of format? Now, did you look at other things you wanted to measure? Were, were you always like hydration, hydration, sweat, sweat, sweat? Um, or was, you know, I know there's a local company that does sleep monitoring. Um, 
Right. Um, but right. you know, was were you always hooked on the idea that it would be hydration and sweat based, or did you have other considerations or other fitness factors, so to speak, that you were looking at? We definitely potential products. Yeah, we definitely had other considerations. Um, really, the vision was any non-invasive bodily fluid. There is a wealth of data hiding in those fluids, whether it's tears, saliva, um, sweat. Um, breast milk is actually a really interesting one. Um, now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hydration came to the top not only because I am a runner um, and played basketball through college, and I've sort of always been an athlete um, and really struggled with hydration um, when I turned to running, but it was also just sort of the beginning of the the wave of sports tech and investing in sports tech. And so I, I have the benefit of also having um, a little bit of an investment background where I know kind of what will be funded and what won't. Um, and sort of why one company might be more successful in raising money versus one that won't. And it has everything to do with, you know, the form factor and the business model and, and all of that sort of thing. So positioning towards sports tech instead of something nutrition-based or breast milk-based um, <laughs> gave us an opportunity to, um, to really kind of wide, ride that wave. So I have like a big picture question. Like what does all of this mean for like the future of sports and – professional amateur athletes down the road. I mean, are we all going to be having these like little patches like when we run, like for hydration, for this, for that? How about for those of us to just maybe run to the refrigerator? <laughs> and, and for John. <laughs> yes. I mean, what what, what so. does the future of sports look like? Yeah, I mean, are we just going to be so. total quantified self here, quantified athlete? I think so, absolutely. I mean, there's so much data that um, can be useful not only in terms of performance, but, I mean, we've had conversations with um, – broadcasters that want to use that as part of a fan engagement tool. And like, if you can show an athlete's, whether it's heart rate or hydration status, if you can get a sense of the, the, how much they have in the tank, that's entertaining. That's really good. I think actually in, in Australian rules football, they do do the heart monitoring thing or they have experimented with it for their kickers. And so like for pressure kicks and stuff yeah. like that, can you imagine though, like a fascinating, if they brought that to the NFL and like did a field goal kicker yeah. and you could see on like the jumbotron big yeah. screen, the right heart now, rate. he's barely breathing. <laughs> he's barely breathing, <laughs> and his heart rate is 130, you know, or something like that. Which oh, would I make him amazing. pass out. Yes. Potentially. <laughs> I think you've got two challenges, though, to get there. The first is who owns the data? Does the athlete own it? Does the league own it? Does the team own it? That's hotly contested, especially in the NFL and the NBA right now. Because you can use it against the athlete come contract time. Exactly. Or even in coaching decisions, you know, in the moment in the game or, you know, what have mm -hmm. you. So that's a huge issue. And then just consolidation. You can't have 15 different devices on one person. I mean, you can, but who would Well, that goes to that? form factor, though, too. It's exactly. like, how are we going to integrate this potentially into yeah. uniforms? Is it prohibitive like for the game itself? Exactly. Yeah. yeah that, that, exactly. I'm sure that's an obstacle. What are the obstacles for Nick's biosensors? Um, oh gosh, so many, uh, just like any startup. I think part of why we also chose running as a market entry point is because there are fewer. So we don't have to worry about, you know, players associations. We don't have to worry about team rules and things like that. Running is just such a massive market. I don't think people realize that, um, running, which we sort of categorize in this kind of adult recreational category, um, is orders of magnitude larger than any other team sport combined. You could combine youth soccer, youth basketball, you know, all the way up to the pro level and running is still a bigger sport. And I don't think people necessarily realize that off the bat. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, we've, especially given the, um, development stage we're at where we're not in the market yet, we've got, you know, a longer list of problems to solve than, you know, hopefully we're chipping away at that over time. But, 
Um, we're on a good clip. We're hoping to launch around the Boston Marathon next year, um, which I think just strategically and being a Boston-based company and you know all the sort of the history of the around the Boston Marathon, I think is a nice um, sort of story for us. What up, gangsters? From Pod617.com, it's Shawshanked, the podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Buck. Nick Stevens. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. Matty Blake. Come on, do it. Kill me. It's Georgie Kip. This movie has everything. Kiss masks. Lee Trevino. Shawshanked. Movies that you get Shawshanked by. Shawshanked. I guess I just miss my friend. Shawshanked. Make sure to check for new episodes of Shawshanked regularly at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. So one of the things that's interesting, we're talking here about performance and enhancing performance, but I also know you're associated with the Corey Stringer Foundation yeah. out at UConn. And for those who don't know, Corey Stringer was a player for the Minnesota Vikings who, due to dehydration and I believe un- other underlying health conditions, died uh, during training camp um, on a very hot yeah. day. So if we could switch gears a little bit and talk about... Uh, I want to say life-saving aspects of this wearable, but how this can sort of raise the alarm when perhaps pro athletes are overexerting themselves mm-hmm. on a hot day, because we do hear not only on the pro level, but particularly at the youth level and yeah. college level, yep. these athletes sort of going too hard and then collapsing, and then you later hear that they've died of heat exhaustion or so, of related causes. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a heartbreaking stat. There's, I think, a dozen um, deaths in youth football every year due to dehydration and heat stress and heat injury. Man, um, awful. Awful, and it's, I mean, these stories just keep coming. So um, we're, we're as focused on health and safety as we are on performance. Um, I think it's, you know, whether again, you're talking about the youth level or the professional level, I think, uh, the value proposition does change a little bit. I think as you kind of go through, it's definitely more of kind of a, a health and safety play when you're talking about a younger athlete. Um, when you're talking about a more experienced athlete, typically you're looking more at performance, but as you pointed out, you know, Corey Stringer certainly didn't plan on having the issues that he had that day doing two a days, um, you know, in training camp. So um, you know, the, the interesting thing about dehydration is it always starts mild and it only progresses from there. So if and it can you progress can, quite quickly, right? It can progress really quickly. And if your intake of fluids is just being outpaced by your sweat rate and you have no idea because you can't quantify it today, you're just guessing, um, you can get yourself in trouble really quickly. And it's really, really hard to reverse if whatever activity that's dehydrating you, your, you know, your sport or whatever it is, if that's continuing. Yeah. They were saying, you know, with the Boston marathon, for example, take that again, when it's a hot day, officials are more concerned about runners on a hot day than they are on a cold, miserable day. Like it was this year, because it's easier to warm up the body than it is to cool down the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hot days. I mean, Alberto Salazar. And and they say, and they say that that, the duel in the sun, yeah, yeah, duel in the sun, yeah, permanently damp. They believe it permanently damaged his body, his body function. I remember that watching as a kid and being alarmed that he looked like he was going to pass out in Wellesley. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's how bad it was. Yeah. And that's like the thing. Like, there was He's also still the benchmark for a heavy sweater they use in the literature. It's a is he really? Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. And, it was good. and there was another. Wait until uh, they get a load of me. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a, a recent incident um, at the Commonwealth Games in the marathon where yeah. a runner collapsed on the side of the road because yeah. of heat exhaustion. So I it, saw that. You know, and, and part of the issue I think is that a guy a- died at the London Marathon this year. Exactly. Yeah. Master Chef, I believe. Yes, con- he was. Contestant. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, from dehydration. From yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was record heat in London yep, on was, race day. It was, yeah, it was somewhere in the seventies, low seventies. Yeah, yeah. I was high, mid, low seventies. Yeah, either way, it's. Um, very hot for a marathon, and I think you know that's that's the thing. You know, you just it can, like you said, it can happen yeah. quite quickly, yeah, um, and very hard to reverse. Yeah. Who's on your staff, and who do you surround yourself with? Are you looking to hire people monthly, weekly, daily? What are you looking for in a Nick's Biosensor employee? Yeah, it's kind of real time hiring. So we'll we'll get to a point where we find a need, and then we'll go and fill it. So, like for example, right now we really need a data scientist that can help us really kind of pull out some of the physiological insights from the data that we're grabbing um, from people out in the in the fields and on the roads. Um, so we're recruiting for that person now, but I think, um, we're kind of coming up on a, an exciting product milestone where we're going to start to switch over into being a little bit more market focused. So we've been pretty stealthy. We haven't done much on the marketing side. Um, you know, we're, we have our social media presence, but it's really more just as we find our voice and start to get our feet under us, um, start to get our brands together. And so there will be a point in probably the next three months or so when we start to focus on that more and get our advisory board up and running, get our ambassador program fully staffed up. And now are you looking to, you know, have professional athletes be ambassadors for your product? I mean, how are Absolutely. you? Absolutely. You know, I mean, and have you reached out to any and, and if, if any pro athletes? And if so, what has been their response? We have been so lucky to build great relationships with athletes. We did this activation at the Boston Marathon a month ago um, to help, you know, spur some of those relationships along. And we've been really lucky to have a really strong response um, in the running field. I mean, hydration is something that just absolutely speaks to them. Um, so as we think about our ambassador program, it'll kind of be multi-tiered, um, you know, classic sports marketing and, and product endorsement just works. And I think one thing that some other wearables companies have kind of fallen prey to, including some of our local friends, um, is that they'll develop a product for an elite athlete. Um, and it might be a very pricey product, a very premium product, and solving a problem that only an elite athlete really has. Um, And the reality is, if you look at the numbers, for example, there's only 2,000 people in the NFL. That's not a market. That's an influencer strategy, (laughs) and perhaps a really strong Mm -hmm. one. Um, But it's not a market. And so we have to be really creative about how do we build a product for the masses, but leverage our relationships with, um, with the elites that, you know, our story still resonates with them. And so when I'm following Shalene Flanagan on social media and she's starting to post about our product in the future, um, then that can be really influential to the masses. So where do you hope to be in two, three, five years from now? What, well, we hope goal? to launch in a year from now, um, again, around the Boston Marathon. Um, we would love to be able to do that in partnership with brands that are really strong in the running field so that we can scale quickly. Um, we have a product progression that we're thinking about where the data we're extracting from one runner after 5, 10, 15 uses that we can actually start to become predictive. So. Okay. Um, so I ran the Big Sur Marathon a couple weeks ago. It was 65 degrees or so. I think the warmest weather I trained in was like 40 degrees. So, you know, there's just one more factor there of trying to predict what my fluid needs are going to be. Um, so if we have an app um, that accompanies our sensor that can be predictive and it already knows my age and gender and body type and the pace that I'm planning to run on race day and all of that, it can say, Meredith, you're going to need 27 ounces of Gatorade per hour. 
So that's the vision. More math during a race. More that's math. just what I need. Exactly right. Yeah, I'm <laughs> overwhelmed by this. I can't even calculate my splits. I think if you need a broadcaster to wear a wearable during a game, yeah. that would be fast. Are you a heavy sweater during broadcast? <laughs> Yes. High, high stress moments. High stress, yes, high right. stress moments, that's big right. calls, third mm-hmm. and goal mm-hmm. at the two. The, qu- the quantified broadcaster. Yeah. Yes, I think yeah, I think that's a, a new frontier for you. <laughs> but remember the name, Meredith Unger, the Steve Jobs of wearables. Yes. Can I call you that? Oh, God, I'm cringing, but sure, go for it. <laughs> so instead of go the black it. turtleneck, you got the black tank top. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. From Nick's Biosensors, not only a phenomenal business person, but a phenomenal athlete as well. We didn't even get into her college basketball progress for the Bryn Mawr. I don't even know their nickname. Martyrs. Martyrs? Shameful. <laughs> Martyrs. Shameful. Bryn Mawr Martyrs. We'll have to put we that right not... up there with the banana slides. <laughs> <laughs> we were not known for our athletic prowess. Let's just put it that we way. Were you a shooting guard? I was. See, I can pick them out. Pick them out of a crowd. I, I shot, I rebounded, and just about nothing else. <laughs> That's pretty much explains a lot of careers in, in basketball. But Meredith, great to see you. Thank you Thank for your you. time. Thank you, Meredith. Best Thanks, of luck guys. for more information. Nick'sBiosensors.com. Yes. Is that correct? Absolutely. See that? Show research. Sure. <laughs> Paying off. Pay that photographic off. memory. Big time payoff. This has been The Meter is Running with Shira Springer. Sports stories and stuff. We look forward to bringing you much more coming up on the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com and iTunes. For David Yaz, Kerry Tabaski, Shira Springer, I'm Jami DePerel, and of course, Meredith Unger. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, doctor. My brother here is pretty sick. What's the problem, young man? Help. I need somebody. Okay, so what hurts? Well, woke up, got out of bed, dragged a comb across my head. Uh, right. Then what happened? You got that something. I think you'll understand. Is he talking solely in Beatles lyrics? That's right, Doc. It's getting better all the time. It's not, Doc. Ever since he started listening to Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette, it's Beatles 24-7. Uh, look at all the lonely people. Get Back to the Beatles? Yes, it's a podcast on pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. It took me so long to find out, but I found out. Please stop singing Ticket to Ride. Uh, That was actually from Day Tripper. You too, Doc? Gotta admit, I can't wait to log on to pod617.com to hear Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette. I give up. Goodbye. Uh, You say goodbye. I say hello. Goodbye, Jojo. Make sure to check for the latest episode of Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette at pod617.com. The Boston Podcast Network.